When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Money was a secret. Money was like a bad problem, secret thing that I didn't talk about. So the fact that I have a show about it is very surreal. I think me like three years ago would be very confused. <laughs> I, lady, Hey y'all and welcome to Unladylike, the show that finds out what happens when women break the rules and spill their financial guts. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And that was actor, writer, and podcaster Gabby Dunn. In 2014, Gabby and her creative partner slash work wife, Allison Raskin, created a YouTube channel called Just Between Us that's attracted a huge following with their hilarious sketches and advice all about sex and dating. But when Gabby launched her own podcast called Bad With Money a couple years ago, she was definitely going out of her creative comfort zone. I can't listen to it because... The first few episodes, I'm being very frank about numbers in my account and talking up to my student loan people on on the air and stuff like that. And I, uh, it gives me just like cringe feeling. It was something I had wanted to hear. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. But I was crying all the time about money. I was like, you know, home in my house, just feeling like, okay, I don't know where more money comes from. God, Kristen, I can so relate to that. Not having a grip on your finances can leave you feeling so helpless. And I I don't know why I'm saying you, because really what I mean is me. And me too, dude, <laughs> me too. And in fact, research consistently finds that among Americans, at least, money is our least favorite topic of conversation. I feel that. Like whether we are sitting across from someone on a date or sitting around the table at Thanksgiving. Or sitting across from our financial advisor. <laughs> yeah, we would rather <laughs> talk about politics, religion, even death, mm. even death yeah. more than money. And of course, that discomfort is only amplified when you're in a relationship, because then it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is actually this is this is something that you might judge me on if I have not enough or too much or <laughs> don't manage it correctly. You see, I'm already this is hypothetical. I'm already nervous. <laughs> yeah. So it's not surprising then that money is the most common thing that couples fight about and the second leading cause of divorce. Yeah, Caroline, I, I would contend that having the money talk mm -hmm. is so uncomfortable that only the money face emoji <laughs> that we put in the episode title can truly express the feeling <laughs> of it. Well, yeah. And luckily, speaking of like vomiting up green things, like Gabby is here today to help us exorcise... Oh, I see. I was like, who's vomiting? What's happening? Okay, we're talking about like exorcist, exorcise. Yeah, she's here to help us exorcise our money conversation demons and really sort out how to talk about money in relationships. 
and, you know, why we need to. Plus, y'all stick around after our interview with Gabby to hear about an awesome new show from her work wife and BFF, Allison Raskin. What complicates relationships more, sex or money? Money. <laughs> um, money, it's, people, I think people are more judgmental about money than they are about sex. We did a thing in the, the beginning of the podcast uh, where I went to a coffee shop and I interviewed people on mic. Hi, sorry to bother you. I'm recording a podcast thing and I'm asking people two questions. And I said, okay, I'm going to ask you two questions. First question, what's your favorite sex position? And everybody was just so happy to answer. Doggy? Um, I guess. What is it called when you're backwards? Reverse cowgirl. Then I was like, okay, second question. How much money is in your bank account? And people were like, how dare you? I'm not going to answer that. Wow. I don't want to answer that one. And, okay, and so I think, like, is, what is your favorite there's this, position? like, cool, edgy factor to talking about sex or, like, sexual stuff. But then money is, like, uncool. Well, before we dig farther into dating and relationships, we were wondering, like, what kinds of money and relationship cues you picked up growing up in your household? So my dad is a, a recovered addict, alcoholic, recovering uh he uh, he got sober for the f- last time when I was 17. So he's got like 12 years now. And um, and my mom is a, was a lawyer and she worked all the time and was like super workaholic. But they're both like very into like experiences and like having a good time and not really thinking about the future and living in the present and stuff. So like a lot of the stuff that I talk about where I'll be like, well, but you guys don't have retirement or you guys didn't, you know, didn't teach me how to, how to have a savings account. They'll come back and sort of be like, well, but didn't you have a good time at Disney? Like, didn't you have a good time, you know, at summer camp that we sent you to, which like, yes, it's very Jewish guilt where I'm like, yes, I did. I had a great time. (laughs) Like they kind of do the, like, we should have left you in a closet to die then I guess. And I'm like, no, that's not what I mean. Um, my mom's more responsible and like, you know, it was confusing growing up because I, we would have all these great experiences and then I would go, well, but like, where did the money come from? And they'll be like, don't worry about it. And a lot of people that I've interviewed, young people have said that they had uh, a chip on their shoulder because their parents, they would start to put things together and they'd say to their parents, well, how did we pay for this? And the parents would be like, you're not a grown up. Like, don't ask me those questions. You're, you're a kid. You don't get to know that. And like, you know, they felt, like, okay, well, then I must be wrong about this or I, the adults must know best or I, I shouldn't be asking questions about money. Like it all gets really internalized from when you, you were a kid. And so I felt that like, I was like, okay, I should, I guess I'm asking too many questions or I guess I'm being annoying or something. How did that affect your like family dynamic growing up that your mom was the breadwinner? And like, how did that affect the relationship between your parents? My my parents always say that they never fought until my dad got sober, which is like kind of a joke because my mom will say when he was drunk, I just like did whatever I wanted. And he was like, sure. And then as soon as he got sober, he was like, are we spending this much on curtains? You know, like he all of a sudden had like opinions <laughs> and uh, 
And so my mom said she like jokes that it was easier when she just ran everything and he like didn't care. And then now, like in the last like 12 years, he's been like, like, hey, this is this is our situation. And she's like, oh, welcome to the party. Um, And so I think it gave me a default of women being in charge, seeing my mom be such a workaholic and seeing her like take take me to work with her and like run around and kind of like, cause she's a lawyer. So like in court and all that stuff. So I think I got this idea of like the woman being in charge, the woman being the person who's responsible, you know, it was the nineties. She had shoulder pads in her suits. It was yes. like a whole thing. <laughs> so have you ever been the breadwinner in a relationship? Always. Almost a hundred percent of the time. Uh, other than I had one ex who, I made more money than him, but he had family money. Um, but generally, I tend to date people. Oh, well, there was one person I dated who was wealthy from his own work. But um, generally, it's people who are ev- equal to me or or have less. Do you like that dynamic? No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. My girlfriend now is is younger than me and she's in grad school, but she's, she's more equal. I think in terms of like, she, she knows about, she has a day job and she knows she has to have a day job. Like she just knows that she can't just not, you know? Yeah. She's not a, she's not a freeloader. No. And I think she has less money than me, but I think she's not a freeloader. Whereas like other people, like I got frustrated with my, my one ex that had, that had money because I felt like he had money so he didn't have ambition. So it like it just kind of has to it's never I don't know that it's ever been about like the actual money more so than it's been about like the view of the world in that capacity. Well, how do your coming out stories compare then? Like coming out as queer versus coming out as being bad with money? The queer stuff I I was like the people who are mad at me about that are wrong. Like I had a more uh, a substantial idea of right and wrong there. Whereas with money, I was like, if people said, oh, you're, you're stupid for doing this or you're, or you're a bad person because you're bad with money or this is an indication of your worth on this planet, I would have been like, yeah, no, you're right. I was more worried about, about talking about being bad with money um, just because I felt like it, was, uh, it gave people an open door to question everything about me and and make a moral judgment on me in a way that I also was like, you might be right. (laughs) In terms of money and dating dynamics, like, have you noticed a difference between the men you've dated and the women you've dated? And has that been more of like gender dynamics between you? Or do you feel like that's more of their own financial backgrounds? Yeah, I feel like a spy. Because I get to be <laughs> this is like a little bisexual spy. Um, no, the the well, I did an interest. I did a poll on Twitter because um, I was like, if you're in a if you are two, let's say female presenting people in a relationship, when you go to a restaurant, who does the waiter hand the check to? And generally, in my experience, they hand it to the more masculine looking person. Like whether that's me or or the person I'm dating at the time. And then I, I posted that and then like more people were like, yeah, they hand it back to the butch one. And I'm like, that is so crazy. Like even in mm. relationships where you would hope to 
be taken out of any sort of gender role situation, the the waiter still hands the check back to the butch one <laughs> and expects that person to pay. I think there's less of a... I mean, there's less of a clear-cut thing, so you get to make your own rules. So, like, I mean, a lot of straight couples do this, too. Like, they'll, you know, they're they're just not interested in, in those types of roles, and so they, like, wholesale reject them. Um, but there's also, like, you know no on a first date like what what happened i mean i think she and i split it like i there's just um there's not these like hard and fast sort of like cosmo magazine rules um and so there's freedom in that like there's no you know we talk about our wedding and like which side of the which side pays for what or you know you're kind of like the shackles are off because you can kind of just do whatever you want um, my girlfriend's very got an independent streak. She likes to build stuff. She likes to, you know, so there's this like fun little masculine aspect of like, I got backyard furniture delivered and she was like, don't hire someone. I want to build it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, she got sick and then she's like, I have a cold, but I, so, and I was like, well, I'm just going to hire someone. And she's like, no, wait until I'm better for my cold and I'll build it. And I'm like, you're not going to build it. It's like a plot line <laughs> from like a sitcom. I was like, you're not going to build it. And so then I hired someone <laughs> to build it. And then she was like, yeah, that was the right thing to do. And I was like, God, you know, I thought that we, by being in a relationship with another woman, I thought I had avoided this masculine nonsense. Um, <laughs> but apparently not. I tend to, I did a tweet about this where I was like, I love to date uh, women who look like they could build me a table and men who look like they've never changed a light bulb. Like I just like a very... <laughs> I like a very sturdy woman and a very aristocratic man. <laughs> well, speaking of aristocratic men, you mentioned you've been with uh, a wealthier dude or a couple of uh, wealthier people. Um, how has that socioeconomic dynamic influenced relationships, especially with the person who had family Money, because speaking as someone who grew up with zero money, that's a toughie for me, to be honest. Well, the first time that I, I went to his family's winter home, and I was like, "Whoa, this is empty during the summer," and they were like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Could I live here?" <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you talking about? It's empty during the summer. Like people that own mul multiple properties. I was like, "What?" Um. It was just like a different, a different lifestyle. Like the family money thing was a big, a big difference. Cause there's two things going on. There's like income and wealth. And so like if we, he and I were making a similar income, but his wealth was different. And so, yeah, I just, I, I felt like I didn't really fit in with like the background or the way that his family operated. And then the the wealthy person, the person who just made more than me income wise, that was tough because I felt like I had to spend to try to look better. Like I was trying to like, okay, how do I not wear shitty clothes? How do I like I felt weird like being out with him like I had to present differently. So I was like spending more on like, you know, sometimes, you know, I had blonde hair for a while and I would just let the roots grow out. And then when I was dating this person, I was like, oh, I got to get it touched up because I don't want, you know, I don't want to look shabby. 
I don't know. You have to assume the person likes you for who you are. I don't know what I was doing. I was like trying to like dress totally differently or trying to like seem like I cared about money less than I did towards that person because I don't think he would have understood it. Like there were periods of time where he would give me like advice on something and I'd be like, oh, this is clearly the advice of someone who like pays hundreds of dollars for sweatpants. Like you don't don't know what you're talking (laughs) about. Do you ever feel like guys that you've dated have mansplained the whole money thing to you? Well, yeah, all the time. I mean, not even in in relationships. Like uh, when I first launched the podcast, um, the the flood of emails that I got after the first episode was almost entirely from men. And it was them telling me what they would do if they were me. Oh. Yeah. And I that was one of my worries about launching the show. Like I launched the first episode and I was like, Ugh, now I'm just asking for people's opinions, but not really because it's that thing where you're never asking for their opinion, but they'll give it to you. And so uh, it was a flood of emails from men being like, if I were you, this is what I would do. Here's where you're doing wrong with money. This is what I would do. Like you fucked up in this way, whatever. And, and every email was from men. I, I can say that every single unsolicited email was from a guy. Way to stay on brand, guys. Coming up, Kristen spills her financial guts and even manages to shock Gabby. Don't go away. We're back with the host of Bad With Money, Gabby Dunn. And Caroline, we've been talking about these gendered cues that we often internalize growing up. And it's easy to recognize, okay? Like, I get in my head how women are socialized to be financially submissive to men. We see these signs all around us. But Caroline, actually breaking out of that cycle and exercising my fiscal agency or whatever is... A really daunting prospect because it means you've got to have the talk. Like the are we exclusive talk or like the birds and the bees talk? More like the are we exclusive enough for me to inquire how much you earn and I hope that's not impolite talk. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that does not sound appealing. I'm not kidding when I say I need all of Gabby's help I can get on that one. When does the money conversation come up for you in relationships? Like, do you lay all the cards out on the table immediately? (laughs) We ask because our financial advisor, Helen, actually told her now husband right on like their first date that she needed to know the details about his money and lay her cards on the table. That's so funny. I ask that. So I I hit it from the guy I was dating for a while. He found out around the same time Allison found out. Um, and well, now when you say that your creative partner, Allison and your boyfriend found out, like what exactly were they finding out? Uh, my credit card debt. And also that I just like, didn't, uh, that I just didn't know what I was doing, that I wasn't having money taken out of my paycheck for taxes. Cause I just like forgot and that I like, didn't know that I just like, didn't uh, know any of my bills and like didn't have anything put together and I had like this system set up with my landlord where I had to pay with a money order because she didn't trust my checks not to bounce anymore just like fun stuff and so like he didn't know any of that I messed up where I saw his uh, credit card statement and I mistook his amount that he could have for his limit for his balance 
And so I was like, oh, me too. And he was like, what? (sighs) And I was like, I also have that amount of credit card debt. And he was like, no, that's the limit on the card. And I was like, and he was like, wait, what? And so it was like a real comedy of errors. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So how did he he respond though once he had taken in all the info? Yeah, yeah. He was upset. Uh, And so then uh, it all kind of came to light. But now... Now, one, it's all out in the open because I have this podcast. And two, I try to suss people out more. Like with my girlfriend, I like was trying to suss out in the beginning way more. Like I was like, what does your family do? And like just trying to like figure it out because I because it it comes. I think Helen's right because it'll come up like I'll ask her directly. Like if she if she buys my coffee in the morning and then takes her card out for lunch, too. I'll be like, stop, stop, stop. Is that like, is that okay? How are you doing right now? And I never used to do that. I directly will do it. Or I keep track of it. Like I'll pay for dinner and she'll be like, why'd you do that? And I'll be like, you paid for dinner two nights ago. And she'll be like, you're a weirdo that you remember those things. (laughs) But I just want to like make sure that I'm not draining her, that she's not draining me. You know, like it's very, I asked her what her salary was. I, I, she got a new job and it works on commission. So I was like, oh, well, so based on commission, like what, what was today? You know, like, and I'm, I'm sure that's maybe annoying, but I, just want to like, it's not to like judge her. It's just so that if she says, oh, I made $300 today. And then later that night tries to get dinner. I feel like, yeah, she can, you know? So confession, I did not know how much uh, my then fiance made, (laughs) nor he, I, (laughs) until, I mean, the clock was really winding down to the wedding. (laughs) And I was like, I know we've got to have this conversation. And I don't know why it, it just became just this wall of silence. I know partly like the longer you wait, the harder it becomes. And I, part of it was, I didn't know how to broach the topic without it sounding accusatory of like, how much do you make? Really? Yeah. And I know that some of that might've been my baggage because like growing up uh I know it was really emasculating for my dad to to not be making as much money as he wanted to and I think I projected a lot of that um so what's your advice on broaching that conversation I mean you you have to how were you paying for the wedding without talking about it we opened up a joint savings account and we got a joint credit card and like it was actually a really great exercise of us saving money together so we would we agreed on like each paycheck that we got we would each throw like 500 bucks in there and it was cool to like save money and like collect money together but we still weren't talking about like how much what the pool of where that was coming from like what that situation you didn't know each other's salaries no that is i know it was i mean I know. I know. It was <laughs> I'm so I'm so hot right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my upper lip is sweating. Um yeah, it felt it felt truly crazy. Um and it took a a fight about Costco. <laughs> <laughs> For it to finally come out. It's always the stupid shit God. that unleashes, like, the real fight. It was either going to be that or Ikea. Um, <laughs> but it took, like, two seconds for the actual conversation to happen. And then it was fine. And then we, like, had sex. So it was great. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was just, like, yeah, cathartic. I, 
Totally. And and it turned out like we made pretty much the exact same thing. And I don't know what we had been scared of. Um, but the thing, <laughs> the gendered bullshit in my head that I hated to admit to myself as a feminist was I felt like asking about money would make me sound like a gold digger. But what if you made more than him? I know. Well, if I made more than him, then I would be emasculating. Oh, my God. Straight people are out of control. I know. I got to get back to my therapist ASAP. (laughs) Wow. And, like, I can recognize, I could logically recognize how absurd and false that is. But I think that's also the power of money and the power of, like, money secrets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like uh, everyone, I think, has stuff that they keep to themselves. I mean, I, you know, I imagine like getting married and then being like, great, now she's going to see like what I spend on Amazon every month and and leave me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, I don't think my boyfriend would give a shit like how much I spend on like, let's say, <laughs> oh, I don't know, Sephora. But it is my, like, it took my financial advisor, Helen, basically being like, what are you doing? (laughs) So, like, the shame for me doesn't so much come from within my relationship and my gender dynamics as when it is, like, outsiders who look at what I'm doing with money Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be like, holy shit, get your shit together. Because my boyfriend and I are more just like, all right, we'll go Dutch for groceries or dinner. Mm -hmm. Uh, No shame. Yeah. Nobody wants to to have someone else looking at their stuff. That's why I like you because you already know. You already know you did you did bad. Yeah. You already know. So you're just like a lot of times, even with my therapist, like I'll say something and then she'll like start to talk and I'll be like, look, I know. Like I <laughs> And so like I think that's even like the point of of talking to people. And that's why it's so important to talk to the people in your life about money and and to talk to like a financial advisor or even your spouse or or just talk to like anybody in your life best friend because it's like it holds a mirror up where as soon as you say it out loud you go oh I know (laughs) is there any way to make the money conversation sexy (laughs) um if you just want to do it swimming in a pool of gold bullion sure (laughs) perfect (laughs) Scrooge McDuck I also don't wear pants a lot (laughs) yeah right I did go back and ask our financial advisor, Helen, who we mentioned earlier, about this this topic of maybe not making the financial conversation sexy, but at least making it less unsexy. And she said that for her, it's all about dressing for the conversation you want, you know, like dressing for the job you want. So I should dress like the Monopoly man? Yes, monocle and all. She basically told me that she won't have an important conversation about finances if she's in her PJs. Like, she doesn't necessarily dress to the nines, but she will make sure that she walks in feeling, quote, polished, showered, and dominant so that she and her husband can have a an efficient, to-the-point, productive conversation. So there you go. Polished, showered, and dominant. Hell yeah. I like it. After the break, we'll talk with Gabby about why matching priorities is more important than matching bank accounts. Stick around. Hold up. 
We're back, y'all, with Bad With Money host Gabby Dunn. So having gone through your your financial journey, what are your financial red flags in relationships? Any Any deal breakers? I just think people who seem stagnant, but I don't know how to explain that. I mean, it's not really about how much money they're making or how much money they have. Like some people, like I had an ex who was like, um, I live in this apartment with my roommates. I live here with them. I've lived here with them for 10 years. As I make more money, I'll probably stay living here just because I like it. And like I had, you know, female friends that were like, well, he lives. Why doesn't he not have roommates? Like he's 33. He shouldn't have roommates. And I was like, if he's if, if he's happy about it and his priorities are such that he wants to like have a savings account and not have a new apartment, like that's his priorities. So like, it's not like the facts that you're looking at, but it's like how you how they feel about the facts. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any advice on ways to process and be supportive to a partner who has like hit financial hardship, like they get fired? Or, you know, there's a like an unexpected like medical expense or something Um, because I've had girlfriends whose dudes have ended up in and out of work and they're just not really sure how to what to do, you know, because it's like, well, you want to be supportive, but it's also frustrating because suddenly you're the breadwinner and you didn't intend to be. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's really tough because so much of our self-worth is tied to our jobs as well. So like I do know that like for for a lot of people being out of work also is like depressing in that they feel like they're not a worthwhile human being. Um, and so that's hard as a partner to to deal with someone who's just like in a funk that way, not just money, but also like emotionally. Um, and then, I mean, I got I got to think, you know, it's a partnership. I got to think like both so it's good. It's for better or worse. Somebody's going to be up. Somebody's going to be down. Um, there's an interesting, I talked to, uh, friends of mine, a married couple. Um, and one of them was making more money at a certain point. And she said that during that time, her wife wasn't working as much, but the wife took care of everything at home and it made things easier on the first person. So like the, the wife would do all the laundry and, and clean it's not necessarily like contributing to the relationship as like a, a, a financially, but contributing to the relationship in other ways is still very valid. So like it, it's good. It would be good to encourage that and to make, you know, to make them feel like there's other ways that they can contribute to make life easier for both of you. And also like looking for, for another job. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's really t- difficult, especially like to be supportive and to also suddenly be the the person holding the financial keys to the castle is like a lot on one person. Well, and it's also like, this is where I feel like dudes need feminism so badly too, because I feel like in those situations, just because of like patriarchal expectations about male breadwinning it can be so much more of a blow to like that masculine identity. Yeah. That's what I mean by like emotional too. I feel like a lot of guys that I've talked to are like, well, I have to be providing for the, the family and for my wife and like in a, in a heteronormative sense. And if I'm not doing that, I'm useless. 
that's you got to let that go. Like you already have the stress of the actual situation and then to put the stress of stigma and to put the stress of like expectations on yourself too on top of the stress of the actual situation helps no one. So what can we do to help? Like what can unladylike listeners do and what can Kristen and I do? Talk to each other. Talk to each other. Talk especially women, not just in relationships, uh not just like uh you know with a partner but with your friends. Talk to your friends about what they're doing. They might have tips and tricks you don't know about. They might be dealing with like a, a, a local bank that you didn't even know existed. They might all be part of a credit union. They might like be, be doing these like side eBay hustles. Like my little sister is so good at eBay and I had no idea. I never asked her. And then I found, I found out like six months ago that she makes money doing eBay and I, I didn't even know. So you got to talk to each other because now... I'm just like her eBay Padawan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, We just have one more question. So what is the most unladylike aspect of talking about money with significant others? Uh, It's seen as tacky. It's seen as taboo. It's seen as... Uh, like you're not marrying for the right reasons or whatever. Like, you know, there's this whole falsehood of like the only reason people are together is true romantic love and soulmates and blah, blah, blah. But there are a lot of practical things that go into being in a, in a relationship. And if you just go into it with this fairy tale idea of it, you're doomed to fail. I guess it's unladylike because it's uh, realistic and you might be seen as doing it for the quote unquote wrong reasons, even though... Like there's it's there's everyone knows that there's more that goes into a partnership than just pure princess and prince romantic love. But nobody seems to want to discuss that before it gets real. And then we all end up divorced. So and then my mom's a divorce. <laughs> my, my mom's a divorce attorney. She'll tell you. I trust Gabby's divorce attorney mom, Caroline. You know, I'd even listen to that podcast. Divorce Attorney Mom, hosted by Gabby Dunn's mom, who's a divorce attorney. We may or may not find out her real name. You had a big breakthrough moment with Gabby. You got uncomfortable about telling a story in which you were very uncomfortable talking about money. And I'm very proud of you. Thank you. How did it feel? Uh, To put it in unladylike terms, I feel like I unpacked some of my own Mm claptrap. And... It was um, it was kind of wild to hear myself saying that out loud to sort of a perfect stranger, um, <laughs> but it's made me a lot more aware. Honestly, like those conversations, speaking from my personal experience, when you broach that money topic, it tends to highlight all of the things you either don't understand or don't know or aren't doing. Uh, to be proactive and to be, like, money healthy and money conscious. Well, and Gabby's whole motivation for doing the Bad With Money podcast hits the nail right on the head because she said that it was the one thing she didn't want to talk about. She knew that's where her discomfort was, and so she followed it. Yeah. And that's always where the breakthrough happens. Yeah, and I that that is... Well, terrifying, inspiring as well. Absolutely, because she's come through the other side of it. Yeah, and now she's here giving us advice. Love it. And y'all are going to love this special little treat that we have before we close out today. Allison Raskin, Gabby's BFF and work wife, created a brand new podcast called Gossip, and it's something pretty special. So we got her on the phone to tell us all about it. 
Okay, so what is gossip? Tell us, tell us all the deets. <laughs> well, gossip is my version of a comedic soap opera that's all audio. Um, it's like an homage to Desperate Housewives, Devious Maids, Jane the Virgin. Um, and the narration device is really just that these three women get together every week and share stories um, that they've heard within their small sort of suburban town. Um, and then we, like, bleed into those scenes, and so we get to actually hear them. But it's all about, you know, what's true, what's not true. Should you believe rumors? Can you even believe people telling stories about what's happened to them? Um, and it's just a it's just a good time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so as far as the TV shows that gossip is sort of playing off of, are those guilty pleasures of yours, shows that you've been, uh, you just enjoy watching, or tell me about that connection. Well, I take offense at you saying guilty pleasures. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> I think that Jane the Virgin is probably the best scripted show on TV and has been for the last few years. I mean, the writing on that show is impeccable. Um, I think for whatever reason, uh, this genre is often like looked at as a guilty pleasure, um, but it's so satisfying, and I think that when you add the comedic element to the melodrama, you kind of, like, get all the pieces of the pie that, that you're craving. Unless you just, like, really want superheroes. And I'm I'm sorry, but there's no superheroes in the show. No superheroes in this pie. No. That's okay. Not the, at least not <laughs> season one. I can't make any promises about the future. So for unladylike listeners, uh, why why should they tune in to gossip? What can they expect Well, I think in the scripted podcast space, it's a lot of sci-fi. It's a lot of um, mystery. You're kind of like always just waiting for the shoe to drop or for something to be revealed. And I really didn't want to do that with this show. I wanted it to be much more of a show where you're just enjoying the ride and you're not just there to like find something out. Um, And so like that's part of what makes like a soap opera in a lot of ways like evergreen, you know, like in theory, the show could go on for 50 seasons because you just have different characters talking about this town that will grow and expand. And um, and so I think if you're if you're craving a scripted podcast, that's that's just a different genre than that's what out right now, then I would listen. And also if you like ladies making things and like to laugh and want to hear just like a bunch of crazy characters and voices and our sound design is amazing um oh my god just please listen i don't know what else to say <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like the podcast version of the perfect beach read <laughs> that's a great way to describe it listen to it on the beach um so we want to play a clip of gossip for our listeners um could you set it up for us it's the clip about an encounter in the retirement home oh yes So uh, the character that I play, Bethany, who's sort of like the uptight, works in a Catholic school administration's office or admissions office, um, volunteers at Golden Years Retirement Home and is very upset to find out that um, one of the male residents in his 80s may or may not be running a prostitution ring. Unfortunately, Gertrude has passed in her sleep. We'll remember her fondly. On a brighter note, we're having spaghetti! Ah, come in, darling. Come in, come in. Now, now, you can put that package down over there. Over here? Wherever. Just toss it. (laughs) It's probably from one of my wretched grandkids trying to worm their way into the will. Little do they know, I have made a ton of bad investments. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm I'm sure your family loves you regardless. Oh, not my oldest grandson, Charlie. Oh, he's incapable of love. He's a sociopath. They got him diagnosed and everything. 
Oh, wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Ah, it's fine. There's one in every family. A diagnosed sociopath? Sure. Or, worse, some kind of evangelist. Either one makes holidays unbearable. Please have a seat. Hey, listen. Do you play video games, hmm? I just got the latest Call of Duty. And my arthritis, well, it's acting up, so I'm sure you can beat me. That sounds fun, but I I actually wanted to talk to you about something. Ah, yeah. Okay. I figured this would come up sooner or later. Just a moment, sweetheart. Okay. Now, we have some privacy. Now listen to me. It's $40 for an hour. $60 if you want me to use my mouth. I know young guys claim to love it, but it's a lot of work, and I already grind my teeth. My ears are bleeding. Take me back. Take me back before this horrible story ruined my young life. You weren't even there. So what did you do? $40 or 60 Oh my god! You slept with him? Of course not. That's Valerie's horrible idea of a joke. <laughs> I don't know what happened. You have a hard time saying no when you think it might hurt someone's feelings. I didn't pay an old man $60 to lick me. If you say so. But we really only have your word for it. It's classy stuff. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I was surprised by the twist. I was not <laughs> expecting it. Well, I can't wait to binge listen to gossip if I ever make it to a beach. <laughs> you, you can listen to it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I will probably end up doing it, you know, like just like in, in my home where I never leave. So that'll also be great. And uh, since Gabby was on this episode, do you want to say hi to her? No, I'm okay. awesome y'all can subscribe to gossip now by searching for it in your favorite podcast app or going to gossippodcast.com the first episode comes out june 14th but if you have stitcher premium you can binge listen to it all on that date stitcher and chill And remember that Stitcher Premium is where you can listen to our exclusive bonus episodes, too. In fact, we just released a new one today. It's an Ask Me Anything episode where we take on y'all's questions, no holds barred. And let me tell you, things get personal. Apparently, I'm just getting really personal with all of y'all. So... I'm breaking out in hot splotches on my chest again. I'm not even kidding. Again, just go to stitcher.com slash premium to find those episodes. And you can listen for a whole month for free with code unladylike. And don't forget, y'all, our book is available for pre-order now. It's called Unladylike, an illustrated field guide to smashing the patriarchy and claiming your space. And pre-ordering it goes a long way to help us, seriously. So go to unladylike.co to find a link to buy it. Also, we need your help. That's right. We're working on an episode about friendship, and we are looking for a friendship tale that'll knock our socks off or make us ugly cry or giggle incessantly. Do you have a special meet-cute with your BFF or an epic friendship that's really stood the test of time? Send us your friendship stories. You can email us at hello at unladylike.co or call our hotline at 262-8-GALPAL and leave a voicemail. Abigail Keel is a senior producer of Unladylike. Mixing and sound design is by Casey Holford. He did the sound design for Gossip 2. Go team! Julie Subrin is our editor. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit Macon, and Sarah Tudson. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Jenny Radelet. And special thanks to Lindsay Craddichwill at Panoply. And we're your hosts, Caroline Irvin and Kristen Conger. And next week... Any-
into the woods, Cinderella runs from her prince, Rapunzel is thrown from a tower for her prince, and Sleeping Beauty just thought she was getting coffee with Bill Cosby. You know, actually, um... I don't know if, uh... We're talking rape jokes. And why we actually need more of them. Don't miss the episode. Make sure you subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast app. And remember, got a problem? Get unladylike. Yeah, we're talking rape jokes. Rape jokes! <laughs> and why we need more of them. More? <laughs> Sorry. Don't miss Kristen Conger having a meltdown. Meltdown! <laughs> Stitcher. <laughs>